Welcome back to Product and Health Tech. I'm Nicole Harris-Roberts, Director of Product Marketing at Vinyl. Today, I sat down with Dominique Kim. Dominique is the Managing Director of the Health Tech Accelerator at Founder Institute. We talked about the global ecosystem that Founder Institute offers, how it's different than other health tech accelerators, and the areas in which people can get involved, whether they want to be a startup founder themselves or a mentor or partner of the program. Let's get into the conversation. You and I have had the pleasure of working together for quite a while. Um, it's been a while since we worked together, but back in the day we did work together. Um, you have a lot of experience in so many areas, clinical care, technical implementation projects, health insurance, uh, age tech, so many different areas. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background in a nutshell. My primary background is actually in public health. And so I've been, I got my graduate degree in public health and then decided to go, I did health policy for a couple of years. And then I decided to really settle in healthcare delivery. And so I ended up working in quality improvement and somehow really got wrapped up in that area. And over the years, a few years turned into many years and that became kind of my, um, my passion and the, the place where I, I really went every day and put all my energy into. But in the process I worked of working in several different healthcare systems, I started to realize just through my everyday work how important technology was and uh, driving everything from patient safety to um, the highest level surgeries that we were doing in these healthcare systems. Really, technology was everywhere, sometimes more implicit and sometimes more explicit. And so I decided to, in about 20, I think it was about 2018, pivot over to focus more exclusively on health technology because I realized the role that it was playing in really improving the quality of care, but also the satisfaction and the experience of care for both patients and the provider teams. So as you know, Nicole, from when we work together, technology can um, really move the needle in so many different ways um, in basic clinical care excellence, but also just in the accessibility and the convenience and the experience of care for patients. Um, and, and again, also the care teams that are doing this every day, working really, really hard. So uh, long story short, I decided to move into health tech and I've been doing um, a number of different consulting jobs. I worked at Meta, helping to improve the wellness of the employee workforce using um, AR, VR technology. Um, but I've also moved into the kind of mentoring, coaching, teaching area, and I've been um, directing an accelerator for early stage health tech founders. And I got involved in that through actually a colleague of mine, Dr. Chetapali, who I worked with at Kaiser. He was an ER doc who helped to spearhead innovative change for physicians and patients. And I did a lot of work in that same area at Kaiser Permanente. And so we kind of reconnected um, and I've moved completely into that role and related roles, really helping to drive the next generation of health technology um, that also impacts public health at the end of the day. So tell us a little bit more about Founder Institute. So the Founder Institute is a worldwide global accelerator for pre-seed entrepreneurs. And what that means is the um, Founder Institute takes cohorts of founders across many different verticals across the world. And so they have, since 2009, graduated about 
close to 7,000, I think a little bit more founders. And what the program feels like is a founder will apply, get accepted, enter into a roughly 14-week program where there's weekly sessions where founders um, hear from speakers that are experts in that area. So in my case, the vertical I lead, the area that we focus on is health technology, of course. And we have mentors, over 100, that have focused in one way, shape, or form on health technology, coming at it from many different angles, whether they're clinicians or CEOs of startups or funders, too, of um, funds that um, support and fund health tech companies. So we even have legal experts, we have regulatory experts. So we have a real cadre of mentors that can help founders to um, accelerate from a, from a seed idea into a full-fledged fundable company. The Founder Institute is differentiated by being an early stage pre-seed accelerator, which is not common. Most accelerators take companies at many different stages or past the pre-seed stage more typically. So um, we really take early founders that may even just have an idea, don't have a team, don't have a product, certainly don't have an MVP or any traction. And we teach them how to build a company in about 14 weeks. The format is based on weekly sessions. Uh, we call them growth sprints, which are assignments that they complete throughout the program between, week, between weekly seminars. And then they also have office hours and a lot of personalized advice from mentors um, that are part of the cohort. And those mentors are the same, you know, cohort to cohort. So there's a consistency there for founders that want to stay in touch with mentors after they graduate as well. That's great. I have a couple of follow-up questions on that. So when you talk about the number of founders that have been through the program, first of all, I think it's wonderful that there's a niche now for pre-seed just an idea sort of projects. There are a lot of those. And like many of our listeners will relate to, you know, no matter whether you're working for a giant enterprise or you've been out on your own for a while, or maybe you're an ER doctor, like your mentor, and you see opportunities, you see problems that need to be solved. But it's hard to imagine, you know, going, you can't just march out, you know, go to ycombinator.com and like apply to their cohort when you just have an idea, right? So there's got to be an ecosystem of, of a place where people can kind of hash out those ideas. What is the, what is the typical idea? I was going to say founder, but I really think there's so much lore, especially in Silicon Valley. I know you have a global program, but there's so much lore about like what a founder looks like, how they act, you know, the attributes of that. But I'm, I'm more thinking about not so much what a founder looks like, but what is a, what does a winning idea look like for applying for this, this cohort? Such a great question. So the idea has to have some teeth. The idea has to be something that is differentiated, or at least has the potential to be differentiated from any other existing product. Um, and just to clarify, all of our founders um, are expected to have a product idea as opposed to a service idea. And, but it can have anything to do with health or healthcare delivery. So sometimes people ask, you know, does the idea have to, so I'll start answering your question in terms of the scope of ideas, which we accept or look at and consider. It's really anything that can make a positive demonstrative impact, um, potentially globally on health or, and or healthcare. 
So for example, it can affect access to care, coordination of care, the uh, reliability, the consistency, the availability of data, the ability to generate insights from data that drive some sort of transformative change or improvement. Under that broad umbrella, you know, we look for ideas where the idea, even if it doesn't seem like the most original idea, there are pieces of it that have the potential to evolve with the right ingredients into a product that could be differentiated in the market and meet a need that is a pain point. So one way we like to think about it is once the idea is implemented and scaled, one would wonder what one did before that idea came around. It's like to that degree of need, that's very important in in the criteria that we look at when we're looking at uh, ideas to accept. By the same token, we are a pre-seed accelerator. So often it's very difficult to know if an idea is going to fly. And there's a lot of factors um, that go into growing an idea. And you almost have to try the program and you have to try the idea before you know if it's going to grow. Some of these factors might be the team, the level of resilience, when you you know, get feedback on how to change or pivot, do you take that feedback? Some ideas aren't necessarily winners at the beginning, but with proper feedback, if you have a lot of the other ingredients like a good team, resilience, confidence, time, um, you can change the direction of the ship a little bit with the right feedback. So I guess the short answer to your question is we look for founders that have qualities that will allow them to grow their idea and um, stick with it when, you know, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of work. They, their idea may not be palatable to all the mentors. You know, we, we look for qualities in the founders just as much, if not more, than in the idea that they're bringing. Do you think that, well, let me ask it in an open-ended way. What does, you talked a little bit about what the program feels like. You mentioned it's 14 weeks and there's a lot of guidance that comes into it. But can you give folks a flavor of what it really feels like to be involved in this program for somebody who maybe has, I think it helps to be more specific. So let's say a, uh, a founder has been working, um, uh, you know, on, on the care access side and they've identified there's just this, this one met this one piece of information that they just, they wish they had it, um, from the hospital, for example, but they can't get it. And it would be totally game changing if, you know, people could access that care away from home, let's say, or access that information away from home from the hospital. Like how would that, with a nebulous sort of, and then, you know, with a nebulous product idea like that, how, how does one kind of shape that through the, the program? Yeah, that's a great example. Be put into different groups based on where, what stage of company they are. So this founder that you, you described, this prototype would probably be I'm guessing an early visionary stage. So we have three stages of founders within early pre-seed. Conception stage, the idea conception stage. And then there's the launch stage where the founder has, say, the idea that you that you described, but has already launched in the sense that they haven't launched commercially, but they've built maybe a straw man and they have started to talk to people. They've started to get some, maybe even some friends and family funding. And then the third stage would be if that founder had been the same one you described, but had, had already signed a letter of intent with a health system, already not necessarily gotten funding, but had already created their um, minimally viable product, 
and was starting to um, test their product on the market. But the founder you mentioned would probably be in that first category. So along with the other founders, once they're, they're put in their, their three different work groups, um, they meet weekly. They go over assignments together. Everyone gets the same assignment within the same uh, track. They work together. They are asked to really think like a startup team, almost like a board. And we give them tools and kind of tips to think about how they are um, going to operate as a team. Um, but a lot of that is, you know, comes naturally or, or not, but people have to learn how to be a team with those other members. And um, they do their assignments. We have office hours. We support them through those office hours every week. And they move through sessions that start with customer development, product development. We do a lot around marketing. We have go-to-market session. So those are three examples, three, four examples of our whole 14-week session. We, ha- we do have some customized sessions that your founder would benefit from also that are focused on healthcare. So we customize the Boilerplate Founder Institute uh, curriculum with four or five courses, or I should say sessions that are healthcare reimbursement, healthcare regulation. I give a session myself on healthcare 101 that you could probably help me teach Nicole because we both worked in healthcare for a while. Um, and then there's another one that's a little more focused on um, like healthcare ecosystem, you know, what's going on, what's the climate for healthcare. So we're changing the curriculum often, but that's kind of our, our um, curriculum that worked really well in our third cohort, which was our last one. Um, so the founder would, would benefit from, from that sort of didactic combined with interactive session content. That's a lot in 14 weeks and also quite focused and organized which can be really helpful when somebody's in the weeds with their idea. You have to be sort of immersed and in love with this product idea in order to make make it happen. I, you know, that's one of the great qualities of founders. Can you talk more about the ecosystem? You mentioned that a couple of times. What is that ecosystem like at Founder Institute? Once um, a startup joins, once a founder joins, it's founders meeting other founders. But who else is sort of part of that ecosystem? Probably the most important other player is not our core program team. We, we are just um, orchestrating the ecosystem, but it's really the mentors. So the mentors are a community of now over 100 individuals who range from physicians to consultants, multi-exit founders, funders, um, funders that have been founders, um, partners, an example would be of a partner would be just to give you a little bit of, of concreteness, uh, Scale Health based in LA. They are a group that's, I think of them as sort of an accelerator where they're helping young founders come into contact with and bridge to resources that they need. And so they're one of our key partners and they do things like mentor. They help to convene founders together at events. Um, and they also have their own kind of accelerator also. Um, so in any event, we have a lot of partners that synergize under this kind of ecosystem. Um, but yeah, mentors are a big one. They include really a range, a diverse range of people that touch and impact and inform the health tech ecosystem. So all together, um, they form a pretty, pretty cool village. A select number of them voluntarily agree to speak at different sessions based on the content. We'll have a few uh, experts on product development and product marketing speak at the product development session. 
And it's often the same ones each cohort because they're so good and they get such good feedback. Um, but sometimes we'll get new mentors. In fact, we're adding new mentors what feels like every week. There's a few lawyers in our, we have five, six lawyers now in our mentor cadre as well. So we have lawyers that come in on the session where we talk about incorporation and how do you think about legal issues when they come up, which they do a lot. And that's very tied to the regulatory side. What do you need to know for FDA approval? How does that tie to, you know, the legal provisions that are interwoven with regulatory requirements? We also have partners that are VCs. Uh, so, for example, we have one partner um, that actually is called Telocity Ventures. And you know Face a High from Kaiser Permanente. I love Face a High. Hi, Face a High. Yeah. Hope you're listening. What I, I hope what she's listening. She's the, the ultimate connector. She is definitely that. She is such a great connector and really cares also about, I feel like, giving back and teaching, mentoring. And so she's she's one of our um, our strongest mentors in the sense that she has very concrete insights into what funders look for, what the climate is, how the environment for health technology is changing. And what a mentor like that, what makes a mentor like Faye unique is that she's focused on health, health technology. A lot of our mentors know a lot about startups, incorporation, how do you think about marketing. There's a lot of rules of thumb that transfer across verticals, across industries. Um, but the mentors that are specific to health technology definitely have a valuable role, role because they know more about what is a very unique industry and a very uniquely complex industry, healthcare. Oh, and I would also say in the ecosystem, it's also those of us that started the program. We started the Health Tech Accelerator three years ago um, in 2021, 2020 into 2021. Um, and there's a lot of people in Innovator MD, which is the physician tech networking group that Dr. Chetapali started that are also very involved in our ecosystem because it's a very, very insightful, passionate group of physicians that are dedicated to improving health technology to improve health care. So that's a key partner slash co-founder uh, of this whole this whole effort. I want to pick up on a thread from earlier when you said that it's important for the founders in the cohort to think like a team. And when I think about teamwork, I think about female founders. So can you tell me a little bit more about, um, gosh, how does the Founder Institute focus on female founders? And as we know, um, there are so many uh, people with great ideas but sometimes potential female founders don't see themselves as a founder, right? They wonder if they're, I think, I think for female founders, it seems like there's a lack of um, funding for female founders for their projects. But also I think the perception that, you know, again, going back to the lore, you know, that, that typical founder, what a founder looks like, um, what a startup founder looks like. Um, sometimes people don't think of a woman in that role, even if they are, you know, women identifying themselves. So my question is really, how does the Founder Institute seek to kind of level that playing field or be more inclusive of female founders? Just to set some context, building on what you said, female founders receive less than 3% of overall funding that venture capital firms give to startups. So that's a very tiny percentage. And um, I think it's 2.8 or something like that. And it hasn't been growing Um as quickly as we want. Um, so it, it is a real problem. 
And the Harvard Business Review has actually written an article, probably more than one, but the one I saw was from 2023. One of the people interviewed for the the article said that he thought part of the re- he thought part of the reason for that disparity, um, and there's I believe truth to this, is because funders are usually male, and it's not necessarily that they are discriminating against female founders, but they're just much more familiar with um, founders being men. So there's there's sort of a familiarity with 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 that. There's there's a lot of reasons why female founders aren't funded as much as men are, um, but I do think one of the main reasons is confidence, and you touched on that yourself. There's not a lot of self confidence that maybe their ideas are potentially really good ideas, seeds of very good ideas, um, because there hasn't really been as much trailblazing as there has been in other fields. There's a lot of micro topics subtopics within the huge umbrella of, of starting a company. And FI is one of um, many organizations that provide this education. So I think when it comes to women and leveling the playing field, the Founder Institute, I can speak for, for us because I know, I know what we do best. We offer educational programs that I think can arm women with knowledge to have the confidence to go pursue their dream, to start their company to know that they have just as much of a shot at creating a great company as, as, as men do. Um, the other thing is we have a female founder initiative at Founder Institute, femalefounderinitiative.com. And there are kind of three things that that initiative within Founder Institute provides. It provides free, like I mentioned earlier, um, educational Zoom sessions on topics relevant to all founders, including female founders, but they tailor the content a little bit more to topics that are especially beneficial to female founders. Um, a lot of the topics though are topics that are good for any founder to, to, uh, to hear and to be involved in. It's just, they curate the content more with female founders in mind. They provide resources, um, for female founders that are, you know, beyond these zoom sessions. They provide, um, connections to people and, other women that can help to mentor them. There's mentorship involved also. So I guess in short, I think educating women and arming them with more information and knowledge um, to move into um, the space of creating a company, a health tech company or any kind of company. I think um, we can do a lot to, um, to educate and to encourage and to inspire you know, through people that have done that before. And that's the other thing that you reminded me of, Nicole, is there are female founders that have graduated from the Founder Institute that are doing some pretty amazing things. Uh, I can talk in a minute, if you like, about some founders that we've graduated from our health tech cohort, um, cohorts that over the past great. three years. Name drop yeah. away. Tell us, tell us more. Okay, so the caveat, the founders I'm going to talk about, and I, I won't, um, mention their names, but I'll, I'll give you a flavor of, of, of the ideas that they're putting out in the world. They're still very early stage. So when we graduate founders, they, um, I'll say real quick, have the opportunity to um, enter into the funding institute or funding lab, excuse me. So graduates can enter funding lab automatically when they graduate. They can take a pause first, go work on their company, come back. They can go right into the next round of funding lab. And Funding Lab is another 16-week session, it's a little longer than 16 weeks, that um, 
basically um, teaches founders how to fundraise. Um, we don't focus that much on fundraising in the core program, but by the time they graduate, they're ready to raise. What I didn't mention earlier is their pitch is much better than it was if they had one when they came in. We do a lot of hot seats, which is feedback sessions where mentors hear pitches and give feedback and rate them. And we watch the rate of improvement over time. And it's always a sharp delta. Um, but from the beginning to the end, the founders get a lot of feedback on their pitch. So by the time they graduate, they're ready to go into funding lab and slam dunk their pitch you know, to any funder that they come across in three, five, or eight minutes <laughs> or any other period of time. But there's other founders that have graduated where it's really fun to look back and see the founders that have graduated, some unicorns, unicorn companies from Founder Institute and really done great things. And you can actually see in more time than we have today, you can go to the website fi.co, just the, the general website for the Founder Institute, not the health tech one. Um, and you can see um, success stories of founders, many of whom are women, that have gone on to create amazing companies after the Founder Institute. But we do have a few founders that have recently graduated that I can mention. One of them created, uh, her name is Ellen. <laughs> you can just, thank you, Ellen. I hope you don't know that you're being referenced here, but yes. You, <laughs> we can talk about Ellen. Yeah. First name basis. That sounds good. Yes. Yes. She created a product where a woman who's pregnant can see her ultrasound on her phone see it in video form and share it with friends and family. So in order to create that app, she had to develop connections with physicians offices, OBGYN offices mainly in order to um, accept her product and contract with her to, um, to integrate her app into their existing system so that the ultrasound images could be uh, transferred to people's phones so they could share them. It's almost like social media for your, um, your ultrasounds and your, your family experience going through pregnancy. So she created this and it's a very simple idea, but no one's done that yet. You know, no one that's really scaled anyway, that enough that we would have heard about it. And so that's, that's a recent example. I have another founder who is based in, um, Africa. So example of how we get founders from all over the world, the time zones are a little tricky, but we, we do the best we can. She created a company that helps um, families with young children that are autistic. And she helped develop an app sitting on top of a platform that helps connect families and obviously their, their loved one or ones with autism, connect them with the resources that they need socially, clinically, financially. So it's sort of a one-stop shop for people with autism, especially their, their caregivers, to um, help them to um, you know, find the resources they need and to experience the least amount of stress that they can, you know. And so that's, that's, an, that's a, a graduate that is really taking off in Africa and hopes to eventually spread to other countries as well. So, we, yeah, we have founders that span, without getting into detail, female founders that have created apps for dementia management for caregivers, um, integrated with the health system. Integration of data is obviously always really important. Um, and we have other founders that have, gone the way of environmental sustainability and they're creating plat whole platforms for health systems and non-healthcare systems to track their carbon emissions. So there's a really quite a, quite a broad breadth of, um, of topics um, and also just of personalities of people that bring these ideas to, um, to fruition. 
I love that you mentioned different personalities and I love that you mentioned starting to, I, I started to catch some feelings around some of those products. I mean, isn't it always the best when people see, they just seem so real to me. Um, so many people can relate to those experiences and they're solving real problems on in contrast, or I guess in other news, we see a lot of trends in the headlines around health tech generative AI. I mean, the list goes on. What are some of the, I guess, winningest trends you see or the most promising trends that you're seeing now coming out of um, the cohort groups? To preface, we have a pretty small number of graduates um, that have applied and gone through because we're only in our fourth cohort. So I say that only because it's, it's a little early to see trends, but to the extent that I can identify trends, I will. A lot around medical devices, um, you know, there's a whole span of possible ideas that you could start a company around from biotech and life sciences, you know, things that involve the biology of the human, right? Products that are diagnostic tools, imaging tools, things like that. We have seen most of our uh, applicants and thus enrollees focused on medical devices and med tech one of our founders that just graduated is focused on um, pharmaceutical processes and helping physicians and prescribers uh, in other roles to um, prescribe more accurately. I do, however, see a trend toward addressing social determinants of health. And I know you and I both worked at Kaiser. We were Kaiser sisters for a while there. And Places like Kaiser and many other great organizations really look upstream and look at the preventative factors behind what makes us sick. So I have seen a couple companies, more and more companies, granted the sample small, coming through that are focused on social determinants of health. We had a founder just graduate who I was super excited about. I I'm excited about all the founders, but I was particularly passionate about this one because of my background in social determinants. Uh, the world is looking a lot more analytically at social determinants. The world is looking a lot more at the impact of research and technology impacting social determinants. And his product was a platform uh, at the user on the user side. It's an app for um, foster children and the caregivers of foster kids. The whole idea and the whole goal of the product is to um, reduce the number of kids that um, don't make it out of foster care successfully, uh, reduce the number of, um, or increase the number of success stories of children that grow up in the foster care system, as far as education, jobs, and quality of life after they become adults when they, as they, as they mature into adulthood. And so he created a product that would allow, um, foster kids to get more one-on-one -on -one support and also family members and caregivers of foster kids to better understand how they can get the right resources to ensure that foster kids grow mentally and physically um, into mature and successful and happy adults. I think that we have heard a lot of examples of products that are emerging, sometimes just an idea, but sounds like some founders have gone so far as to have an MVP. Um, for people who are listening to our podcast, maybe they have an idea Maybe they want to become a mentor. Uh, maybe their company can be a great partner for Founder Institute. Um, how can someone get involved? You don't have to have created 10 companies, you know, to be a mentor. You could have, um, we, do, we do like to have mentors that have some experience 
in um, creating a company, um, knowing what the pitfalls are and bringing a company all the way through um, to um, incorporation and traction. So we are looking for entrepreneurs to share their experiences. Because after all, we're, we're encouraging and teaching founders how to be successful founders. Um, but we're also looking for mentors that understand the importance of integrating technology into healthcare and have experience doing that. People that, that understand healthcare and understand the pain points of healthcare. Um, it's definitely a problematic field. We have a lot of um, problems around access in healthcare, as you well know, Nicole, um, from having worked at Kaiser too, you know, consistency, quality of care, um, scheduling. Um, so in any event, we're looking for, we, we can always use mentors, but even legally, on regulations, you know, anything, if you're passionate or interested in um, learning more about the health tech ecosystem from fellow mentors, but also kind of sharing your knowledge uh, with founders in any way uh, that I mentioned, that would be, that would be great. We also welcome um, partners that we can help promote. So for example, we have partners in Telocity Ventures that I mentioned where Face a High um, is is a leader there. Um, and we will um, refer partners to Telocity. Another was um, Plug and Play, which is another accelerator. We don't compete with other accelerators because we're pre-seed, but we funnel into them sometimes and we help to promote them and all the good work they're doing too. Um, one of my dreams is to create an ecosystem of all the graduates so that they can all learn from each other and uh, continue to be part of that ecosystem. How can people find you after the podcast and connect with you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Dominique Kim. I work for the Founder Institute. You should find me pretty quickly. If you want to attend any of our events too, uh, all of our recruiting events are free. It's just a way to learn more about our program, the Health Tech Founder Institute program. And you can find out more about that at fi.co backslash health. And you can, you can sign up to um, apply to our program there, or you can just go to fi.co backslash events, uh, and you can see a whole list of events several a week for months in, into the future on all different topics, um, including from the Female Founder Initiative, if you want to learn more and become more docked into a, a female founder community. We could talk about health tech all day long. How, what's the deadline for applying to the recent cohort? We could. It's uh, March 10th. And then the next, um, the kickoff is March 19th. So it's, uh, there's a little time left to go. And yeah, the application process is pretty quick. You submit uh, an application and then there's a list of questions that you answer that have to do with um, kind of why you want to be a founder and those kinds of things. Um, but it's a pretty quick process. There's room for so many different voices. I've heard so many inspiring ideas in this podcast today. Um, most importantly, there's a place for people in health tech, no matter where you come from, not just globally, but whatever sector you're most familiar with, or whether you've started a company and launched it or never have before. There's something about having, being so close to your work and the people who you represent in your world um, and identifying those needs. You know, I always say good ideas can come from anywhere. And so with so many things changing in 2024, not least of which is, right, companies are shrinking their 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 teams as well. So 
this may be the perfect time for somebody listening to try out that sort of nutty idea or off the wall idea that got rejected maybe, or they've been thinking about overnight um, for weeks or months or years. Um, Jump in, jump into the Founder Institute and you know, you never know, right, where it's going to go. That's kind of the whole point of the program is to nurture those ideas and to kind of see where it goes. It sounds like pretty low pressure, pretty low bar to low barrier to entry, which I think makes it all the more inclusive. Dominique Kim from Founder Institute. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Nicole. This is fun. Thank you so much for joining us. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, YouTube, or our website, productandhealthtech.com. If you have ideas or suggestions on what you'd like to hear on a future episode, or if you'd like to be a guest, please shoot us an email at info at productandhealthtech.com.